The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? Doing great today. It's a, it's a beautiful Sunday here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm always doing great whenever I get to wake up in front of the Smoky Mountains. I love it. How is it going at the uh, JPWA? Everything rocking and rolling or what? Well, we actually had the graduation for uh, the latest class of JPWA Friday night in uh, Sevierville, Tennessee with KFW. And uh, uh, it went great. Had some some great matches. Had a, had a great crowd. It was really great. And I said this in front of them, but, but I got to say it again. It was really great to be in front of a live wrestling crowd people who appreciated wrestling people who uh who came out to support the local promotion uh so uh, we just graduated that class uh i'm going in tomorrow which we're recording this on sunday and i'm going monday morning to to get some stuff done on my neck and then tuesday i'm going to jump in the car and drive all the way to Stamford, Connecticut, just to hang out for a couple of days. And uh, Thursday night, I'm also doing a virtual autograph with Captain's Corner. And uh, it'll be on Facebook Live. Come back Friday and uh, get ready for the next next class of JPWA. So uh, while I, I have a week without classes, I don't have the week off, which is, which is uh, okay with me, too, because I'm going to take a, a sightseeing tour and travel up the northeast coast and have a good time for a couple of days and just chill. Nice. So, It'll be like the uh, good old days of working for the uh, WWF. <laughs> up in the Sanford, Connecticut, no, area. no, absolutely nothing like those days. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, uh, who's counting anyway? But, yeah, it should be fun. I'm sure you will run into Brother Brucey. Uh, no, I'm uh, definitely going to run into Brother yeah. Brucey. We're going to look at some stuff. Go. He's got some really cool stuff that uh, – uh, I want to come up. That's one reason I'm going up is is to look at some of the stuff he's he has acquired, and uh, check it out. You know, I'm still, after all these years, I'm still a wrestling fan, and uh, yeah, I I just I enjoy looking at the history. I enjoy uh, yeah, seeing some of the stuff that uh, 
maybe you haven't seen for a while. Maybe you haven't seen it in about 40 years and remember it as a kid and, and uh, uh, just want to examine it through through these eyes now because, you know, life is nothing but scars and stories, you know, and and uh, no telling what, what kind of scars these artifacts have or or what kind of scars you have on your soul. They all kind of intertwined at one time or another. And I, I just, uh, uh, I want to take a look at some of the stuff that, that Bruce, that has come in Bruce's possession recently and, uh, check it out. That's very cool. And uh, Bruce is obviously still a fan himself, right? He's still got a bunch of cool stuff. I think so. I, you know, I really do believe so. And, and, uh, even even with the new stuff and the new uh, guys and girls getting in the business today, um, it 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 kind of it'll spark a thought process or it'll spark an idea. It'll spark um, uh, maybe just even a conversation uh, if, if they get to look at some of this stuff too, because it's the the business. Uh, so many years ago is is so far removed and so different um, than it is today, but but it really is all the same when it comes right down to it. Uh, you still have to have the passion to be great at it, and you still have to uh, have have uh, talent and perform. You want to want to be a performer and and uh, you know enjoy what you're doing. So uh, Paul Bosch had some really really cool stuff in his office, uh, not only downtown, but in his office at home. And Bruce has come across, uh, some of this stuff. He, he purchased it and, uh, has it all at his house. And during this next week, I'm going to go up and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to, uh, you know, purge myself in it, I guess. So, um, I think even when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I remember seeing that stuff in the office and a lot of the stuff he's already told me about. And I'm just, uh, Curious if I'm going to remember it the same way, because it's all brand new and cool looking. Then all of a sudden the years go by, and uh, you know, some are like fine wine, and some is like uh, cheap, uh, cheap poster paper, I guess, or cheap cardboard that kind of fades away real easy. I don't think yes. all had the stuff to fade away real easy. Yes, very true. Now today's episode is sponsored by a Blue Chew. A Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is made in the great old US of A. It is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line. It is cheaper than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package. There is no awkwardness, and you do not need to leave the house. Right now, the special deal for our listeners, when you visit BlueChew.com, you get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code DOC, paying just $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E-Q.com, promo code DOC, to try it for free. Outstanding. doesn't matter when you want to take it either, night or day. It works chewable. It gets in your blood system a lot quicker, and and I personally prefer it, and uh, it's done wonders in my life. Nice. Gives you that extra added confidence. Of course, one more time, that is promo code DOC, and you could try it for free today, bluechew.com. Great sponsor, great stuff there from Blue Chew. Now, moving on to the events of the evening, if you will, what we are talking about in today's episode, and we kind of teased it a little bit last week, if you remember, 
And this is something that is so interesting to me because two different guys, and I mentioned this last week, two different wrestlers brought this same fight up to me, and I still have not brought up in the show until today, episode 34. So here we go. Dr. Tom Pritchard, we're going to talk about a lot of backstage fights and a lot of fights that happened with the wrestlers, not just this one. But the first one I wanted to talk about was Dr. Tom versus Tracy Smothers. The I think Dirty Dutch and Rick, uh, Ricky Morton both referred to it as the fight in the gravel, something about the gravelly road <laughs> and this fight that you guys had. No, it was it was called the grapple in the gravel. And, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you may find this hard to believe, but I, on occasion, could be uh, quite uh, – uh, the smart ass in snide remarks might or might not come out of the side of my mouth. And uh, I, I just uh, – <laughs> I, I would poke the bear, and uh, the the way this all came about was we, uh, Ricky Ricky Morton, uh, Tracy Smothers, uh, Dirty White Boy, and myself, we all still lived in Nashville, and we would ride uh, up to Knoxville. You know, it's it's, it's two hundred miles, I guess, whatever it is, and we'd get a van, we'd rent uh, rent the van, and all pile in, ride up. Well, Tracy, um has always been just uh you know a colorful guy to to get to know he 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 would tell you stories and he was just uh he was one of those guys that i knew and of course everybody knew if you if you pushed him over the edge uh you, you might need you <laughs> need five or six guys to bring him back and i knew that but you know i thought Tracy and i were friends and i would say something just just to mess with him and just to have fun and just to laugh. And Ricky told me one day, he says, you know, that boy's going to snap on you one day. I said, no, 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 we're friends, man. Well, Tracy is a big, strong guy. He's uh, he's that raw bone, uh, real polite, real easygoing, um, bigger than he looks kind of guy. And, uh, you know, again, I, I surely to God, Tracy wouldn't think. He wouldn't get mad at some of the things I'd be saying. I can't even remember what I was saying, but I do remember I was uh, uh, I was I was being a smartass, is what I was being. Well, anyway, um, there was a there was a time we eventually all wound up staying uh, in in Knoxville or Morristown for Smoky Mountain, and this was around the time I guess we uh, we first went to WWF and. Uh, Oh man, it was thanks. Yeah, it was around Thanksgiving, and Tracy was um, potatoing everybody. He was hitting everybody kind of hard. He was he was having accidents, and uh, one person he had an accident with was Brian Lee. And Brian Lee and I were very very good friends at that time. Uh, you know, he he hit Brian. It was it was a, it was an accident, pure and simple, but. You know, cut Brian's eyelid open with his elbow or something like that. It was just being uh, what we thought was careless. And and we we'd gone up the Rock and Roll Express and, and uh, us we we went up to I think for Survivor Series that was Boston I believe. And we came back down on on Thanksgiving Day. We we were going to a town. We stopped. All four of us stopped at the Cracker Barrel. We we. We ate at separate tables and 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 kayfabe as much as we could that day. But anyway, 
we, we were riding to the town together, and Ricky said something about Tracy, and I said, well, Tracy is an idiot, and you can quote me. <laughs> Again, just being, you know, off – being being in the in the remark <laughs> remark mode I was in, I guess. Anyway, um so we got to the town and uh uh gosh, we had separate locker rooms that day. So we got baby faces and heels. And Brian is gonna work with Tracy that night. And I see Brian, I'm gonna ride back with him. Because, you know, again rock and roll and I, uh, rock and roll, Jimmy and I rode up together in a rental car. I'm gonna kick to ride back with Brian. And in the other locker room, you know, of course, Ricky Morton's there, and Ricky said, "I said it could, I, you could quote me." So of course, he's quoting me to Ricky to Tracy. And uh, Brian goes out to work with Tracy, and he's all in a huff, and he wants to kill me. And he's, you know, when Tracy gets mad, everybody knew he was mad because he'd punch, he'd punch lockers, he'd shadow box, and all that stuff. But we had a battle royal that night too, and uh, Jimmy had a an angle all set up and had it laid out. But Tracy was just seeing red that night, and uh, Brian came back to locker and says, "I don't know what the hell was wrong with him." I said, "I do," because Ricky told him what I said. Got out to the battle royal, and uh, Brian or Brian uh, Tracy's, "I'm gonna get you, Pritchard. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you." And and the boys are holding back. I said, let him go. Let him get it out of his system here in the Battle Royal, and it'll be done. That's it. I mean, I'll take some shots or whatever we're going to do. Let's get it done. You know, you hit me, you punch me, whatever you want to do, let's just do it. But they all kept him away, and it kind of screwed up the, uh, the, the, the angle a little bit. But anyway, uh, we get to the back, and Jim's hot. You know, and I'm going, damn, man, I... <laughs> You know, I wish you just would have let him go. But anyway, I get in the car with Brian, and we're riding back, and uh, Rock and Roll Express passes. And I said, Brian, pull him over. I want to talk to him. He said, no, 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 let's just keep going. So we pull over on the side of the road, and we, uh, you know, check the air and the tires, and then we get back in. And as we're coming up on a car, we see, you know, Ricky and Robert and them, and they they pull over. I said, pull over. So Brian pulled over this time. Got behind him. Tracy's in the back seat. Her, he hurt his ankle in the Battle Royal or something. And he sees me get out. And he, he starts mouth and he starts to get out of the seat, the front, the out of the, the back. And uh, he comes back and says, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. You're too slow. And he starts throwing punches. I said, Tracy. Relax, man. What's wrong? He says, you're an asshole. I hate you. I'm going to kick your ass. I said, okay. So uh, <laughs> one thing led to another, and it wound up. I don't remember if it was uh, – I threw a beer bottle at somebody. It might have been Ricky. Or might have been, I don't remember. It was. I, but somehow it ended up where we locked up. We were going to fight, but it's like two guys locking up. And like one, one doesn't, doesn't want to fight, and the, other, the other's glad, that kind of thing. If he really wanted to kill me, he would have killed me, but he didn't want to. But he had to put on some kind of front, I guess. I don't know. But he didn't. He grabbed me in a working way, and I thought, thank God. Well, when that happened, uh, next thing we know, there's there's blue lights on the side of the road. We stop, and Tracy says, "Look, I got kids. You got kids. Let's not get, go to jail tonight." Okay, that's cool. Well, obviously, now there's something more that takes precedent than what I said 
coming from the airport. But uh, so the cop comes back and asks us what we're doing. And I swear to God, we said, well, we, we wrestle and we just got out on the side of the road, decided it'd be good to just start doing wrestling spots. So we were just messing around. And the cop looked at us like, well, y'all got 15 seconds to get out of my county. You're going down to jail. So, yes, sir. Got in the car and home and left. So when I got home, I called Cornette and told him what happened. And because uh, <sighs> we were supposed to work with Tracy and uh, White Boy in, in a program. And I said, I'm not doing it unless we talk about it and we, we get this straightened out because I'm not going to walk in there with that guy. And anyway, so we were going to take care of it the next day. But the next day was promo. It was in Morristown. I went into, uh, I got there early, went into the Babyface restroom and sat there because Babyface was doing promos first. And eventually Tracy came over, and he was very, very quiet and said, hey, Tracy, I'm sorry about last night. I did say shit about you, um, but here's why. And I explained to him, you've just been potatoing people. I was talking out my ass. I was being a smart ass. I, it, it came out, and I did say it, and I apologized too. So so we hugged, kissed, and made up and all that stuff. Um, you know, it was, <laughs> it was at the time uh, – kind of funny because like I said, Tracy's this big old teddy bear, but when he gets mad, he starts beating up lockers and, and shadow boxing. And I thought, you know, I, I sure would hate to be on the other end of that. Cause I don't know how mad I'm going to make him. Uh, but that was it for, for that, that fiasco that kind of turned into, uh, <laughs> turned into a fiasco, but we've got it all straightened out. So nobody got really got beat up then. It wasn't a, oh uh, no no it wasn't a true finish. No, yeah. no, it wasn't a true finish. It was a uh, it was a deal. If he would have got me in the ring, he could have given me a shot. So he would have felt bad about it, and we talked about it the next day. But instead, we had to do it on the uh, on the side of the road. And why the cops stopped was there were these two girls. We I didn't notice them because Tracy and I were jawing back and forth. Uh, who they they stopped, and it's like a, a four lane highway. So you got two lanes over here and two lanes over there. I guess I think it was four lane. Hell, I don't remember. I just know that they stopped to, to see what was going on. And Ricky had said something derogatory to them. That's why the cops came because they called the cops. And uh, so yeah, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't that big old uh, sting. Uh, Dick Slater fiasco in Louisiana type fight at all. It was a, you know, man, I really don't want to do this. And boy, I'm sure glad you don't really want to do this because I really don't want you to do this type thing. Now, what is up with, I know, Dirty Dick Slater and Sting did have a, a big throwdown. And I know the Dick Slater just come out on top. But give us the, the whole story. Give us the whole rundown on that. Well, uh, Dark Journey had come in with Slater, and um, you know she she was a uh, uh, attractive lady and, and kind of green to, to wrestling, but you know she she had been around Dick, and all of a sudden here comes uh, uh, Sting and uh, oh, was it Blade? I don't the Ultimate Warrior, hell, whatever his name was when he was Sting. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, they, um, <laughs> they hooked up and Slater found out about it and, uh, Slater just thought it was disrespectful and Sting didn't have any idea about 
uh, you know, a code of honor or anything like that uh, in the business and didn't care. So, you know, he just, he just, they, they got together and Slater found out and Dickie went in. I think he punched him twice and put his head down the, in the toilet and flushed it and just, you know, just to make a statement. And, uh, you know, that was that. But, but the other part of that story, and I wasn't there, so I didn't see it, but it's been told like this, uh, that, uh, Dick Murdoch, you know, stood guard over the, uh, between the door and, uh, Slater and, and Sting, well, Warrior was going to get in, and Dickie says, you have to go through me. And, and <laughs> I think Warrior was a lot smarter than that, obviously. said, yep, yeah, all right, you're on your own. So, but I did, I, you know, and, and I saw Slater fight. I actually saw this with my own eyes in Houston, and I wrote about it a long time ago when I had to, had my website. And it was a, a guy named Evan Johnson. Paul Bosch had, had done this three-day uh, tournament in Houston for, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Vern Gagne sent guys, and somebody else sent guys. And there were guys coming from all over the world, all over the country, supposedly, for this thing. And one of the guys was a fellow named Evan Johnson from uh, up in Minneapolis. And Vern had sent him down. Vern was going to come in on Friday, but Evan came in on – or Vern was coming in on Saturday. And Evan came in on Friday and was uh, booked against Dick Slater, who ironically was the booker at that time. And uh, I'm in the back in, in the same Houston Coliseum in the dressing room just hanging out with uh, Manny Fernandez, uh, Chavo Sr., and uh, Tiger Conway Jr. And we're just kind of hanging out, talking. Next thing we know, Evan comes back in the dressing room hot. And you can just tell he's hot. And you see his chest is red. And, you know, he's, he's shaking his head and he's upset. You know, he, he's an amateur wrestler. So he's, he's supposed to know all this stuff. And uh, Slater comes back about maybe a minute later. And he's standing right there. And Slater goes, what the hell was that? Because you tried to eat me up out there. And Slater says, well, yeah, well, I'll, try, I'll eat you up in here. And pushed him back into the, uh, it was a hockey dressing room, pushed him back into the uh, little cubicle and uh, gave him two good punches, split his eye open, and, and myself, Manny, and Childwood, there were three of us, who pulled Slater off him because he was going to kill him. And um, so I wrote about it and told how, how, you know, talking about tough guys and uh, guys who had no respect. And this guy, Evan Johnson, actually messaged me because his daughters had gone online to find out about him as a pro wrestler and came across this story I wrote. And um, I kept, I told him, I says, dude, that's the way I remember it. And he goes, no, I turned my back. He put my head in a locker, and I said, there were no lockers in that room. There wasn't. It was a hockey dressing room. I know it because I grew up there. And he argued with me and told me Vern was going to put the belt on him and all this other stuff. And I thought, no, dude. You're delusional. Slater kicked your ass. Vern never would have put his belt on you. Uh, you're out of your mind. So that that was uh, that was kind of crazy. And I think that was the best fight I've seen, personally. <laughs> That's funny though the way certain people remember certain things, and you know some some things are so far from the truth. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And this guy really was uh, way far from the truth. And he described the locker room completely uh, different and and talked about the lockers in there. And, and he slammed the locker on his head, and he got retribution. This guy got his ass beat. 
and um, and he was upset that I wrote about it years ago. So he's still hot about it. Yeah, we was hot about it because his daughters found it and asked him about it, and he said that wasn't what happened. You weren't even there. I said bullshit. I was the guy that pulled him off you, Chavo and Manny and uh, myself. We pulled you off, pulled him off you, and I was there. And and I believe Slater would 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 have won that one. I just do. Uh, I've seen Slater. Slater's another one of those guys that uh, uh, didn't have to prove it. He he, but he didn't care if he had to or not. But he didn't have to, you know, because Slater uh, uh, had a reputation and never never overstepped his bounds. I don't believe. I never saw it, but he was always good with me. And. Uh, uh, just just was that guy that you, if you had any brains or, or knew what, what the story was, you didn't want to mess with him because uh, he wasn't afraid. He was not afraid, didn't care who you were. Now, another guy that I was surprised that we've talked about a few times on this show, that every story I've been hearing of him, which is, this is shocking, he's come up with a win over various opponents. Coco Beware, Coco Ware. Mm. I know he got in a backstage fight with uh, Steve Kern. He actually uh, is tougher than we imagine, I would think, right? Well, yeah. Uh, Coco's a tough guy. I've worked with Coco before, and, and he um, he's not afraid to uh, to, uh, show, to to show you how tough he is if, if you want to try him. But I, I, once again, that wasn't my forte. That wasn't what I was uh, – uh, what I was looking for in the business today, but yeah, Coco is is has been in a few legendary fights. Uh, I forget the guy's name from WWE. Uh, Paul Roma. No, the other guy, oh, no. the executive, the, the first time when he got fired. Oh yes, uh, I forget who it was. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and overseas, and just being, you know, being disrespectful and being stupid. Um, you know, there there is a difference, and uh, there is a hierarchy, I guess, and and and, and uh, steps. Uh, you know how high up the ladder you you are, and in in the executive position. At the same time, um, it doesn't mean you can be disrespectful and rude to, to the boys or anybody who may not be on your your perceived level. And I've seen that. Oof, I've seen that way too many times. But but it's ha- but that's just the way it is. And uh, I think they were drinking, and that that doesn't really help things either. But Coco, um, a legendary for for being getting hot at the drop of a hat and not being afraid to uh, throw hands if he has to, even if he didn't have to, he's not afraid to throw them. Yes, Jim Troy was the executive. Ah, okay, yes, yes. Jim Troy. Sure so, was ex hockey guy supposedly, so thought he was tough, I guess. Yes, so uh, you hear of, of that one a lot, he, that he beat up him. You hear about the Steve Kern one, which probably would surprise some people because Kern's pretty tough, but you always hear the story that he beat up Paul Roma as well in a WWF locker room. See, I didn't know about that one. I, um, Yeah, I haven't. I, I didn't know about the Paul Roma one, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me, uh, you know, once again, I, but I, I like Paul. I, I I've never had any problems with him, but I could see how how uh, how Paul could have that uh, sarcastic uh, twang in his voice sometimes, you know. And it would happen, especially when you're on the road a lot and uh, getting under each other's skin every day. So 
Very, very possible. Some other good ones, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. I'm sure you you may have been privy to some of those uh, face-to-face. No, I never I never saw uh, Shawn and Marty uh, go at it. Uh, and, in fact, I, I think, uh, and I can't really recall because, um, well, because, uh, but but Sean and uh, Brett, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the pulling yep. of the hair, and that was uh, uh, where Jim Cornette, you know, said he took the hair and saved it, and <laughs> still has the hair, you know, from the infamous fight. And and but but it was, um, you know, the tension was was thick and obvious uh, in, in those days, I guess, especially. And um, you know, Sean certainly has had that performer's ego since he started and and it just grew uh and and brett again you know i i have all the respect and rule for bret hart uh he's not going to back up either so uh when you have two guys that uh believe they are uh the the number one guy and truly believe it that's what what i think it really festered and and helped that rivalry grow and be as great as it was because they were so passionate about the way they felt about each other and their spot. Uh, so, but I haven't, I didn't see it. You know, I just, I just know that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there was a lot of people who were ready for a fight if it ever came up. Cause you know, Bob Holly wouldn't back down by, you know, there, there were guys that you, you had heard reputations about and, um, I was just I was just not wanting to have any part of it, to be honest with you. You know, I was just hoping it wouldn't wouldn't be necessary. There is a lot of guys like, you know, quote unquote tough guys or they look like they're tough guys. I always felt like, you know, Ludwig Borga and obviously he did MMA and was a pro boxer, so I mean he is somewhat tough in some regards, but I mean he just had the look of a killer. But there is a story that he actually knocked out Scott Norton. Have you ever heard about this fight? I, I heard about it. I'm not not really uh, familiar about it or familiar why, but uh, it, I'm sure it was was it in Japan? Yes. Yeah. Well, there again, you know, let's let's put jet lag on top of alcohol on top of whatever, and uh, <laughs> and, and words being said, uh, you know, there there there's a million reasons why, and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it because uh, you know. I, I think anybody can can knock anybody out if you find the right place, and, and Ludwig obviously knew where to put it. You know, I, I you know remember a fight again, not really a fight, but more like a uh, uh, making a statement. I saw Yokozuna slapping a guy around backstage in uh, uh, Pensacola, Florida. It was actually at the Pensacola Civic Center, and uh, there was there was a stairway, the dressing rooms up top. And next thing I know, we're, we're on the stage, and, and I see Yoko uh, slap this guy. And, and he started going down the stairs on his butt, kind of thumping backwards on the stairs. And Yoko walked down, and the guy stood up to say something again, and Yoko slapped him one more time, slapped him down the stairs again, and then he slapped him down the third flight of stairs. Um, so, you know, he and Yoko was a great, great guy to me, too. He never... Never had that problem, but I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want to be on his bad side either. So you know, guys like Yoko and, and Ludwig Borga and, and and people like that, 
you know, you you would think um, it'd be smart not to try and uh, get into a physical altercation with you, unless you're you're that big and you're the, you just feel the same way that they do at the time, kind of like uh, Scott Norton probably did. I would kick your ass like hell. You will. Oh, bam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There has been some contention that it was a, a cheap shot followed by another cheap shot followed by Norton, I guess, you know, trying to get his wits about him. And then the the third shot, that is, you know, that's the kind of the story that was a bit of a cheap shot. But still, Ludwig Borg has got to have some uh, pretty strong hands. Well, are there any rules in a fight? I mean, mm-hmm. are you going to have to say, hold on here, I've, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to hit you. I don't think when it gets to that point, if you're if you're in a fight or you have an argument – I don't think you're going to warn the guy and say, okay, now I'm going to hit you and get your hands up or, or brace for it. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, anything is fair in a fight, I think. And, and so the cheap shot, well, okay. That's what he did what he had to do to, to get what he wanted. So, so have, works. have you heard of the Big Van Vader versus Paul Under of WCW backstage fight? Of course. Of course, of course. Uh, you know, Bob Armstrong was an agent, the agent that day, too. And uh, he he said, now he said, he said, I don't, <laughs> I heard that, uh, you know, Vader was, was not coming to do his promo or whatever it may have been. And uh, so Paul was also an agent. And, uh, you know, and Paul was told to get him, get him here. Just, just get him here, wherever, however you got to do it. And uh, Vader said something to Paul, and and I knew Paul early on in my career, and and he he was one of those guys that uh, you know grew up in a trailer, kind of behind a bar, and lived that life. I mean, he was he had to fight for everything he got, and he wasn't going to have anybody talk back to him. Or uh, disrespect him, uh, you know. He he. I think he took high exceptions uh, to to uh, Vader talking back to him or not even coming and doing what he's told. So, uh, yeah, I heard that one. That was uh, you know had shower shoes on, I think, and was was kicking him with his feet. And and, and once again, some of that stuff is is just is born out of uh anxiety and and stress and uh uh one guy feels this way about being told what to do and the other guy feels this way about you know telling you what to do and you're not listening you know both have a job to do and and some guys are a little more uh a little more susceptible to uh uh listening to <laughs> listening to direction taking orders being coached and other guys just uh, don't care and, and felt they were above the whole uh, company or the whole process of, you know, cutting promos or, or promotion. So I don't know, man. It's just uh, why can't, can't we all just get along? Well, hell no. We all can't just get along because sometimes you have people who don't want to and people who want to test you and disrespect you and, and, and things like that. So that's where a lot of that comes from. And I think, uh, you know, a guy like Paul Orndorff um, would would be considered um, as, as a guy of uh, due respect, and and you should know he's not going to back up. 
legitimate tough guy too, you know, from everything you hear. And Kevin Sullivan who was there, um, you know, has, has shared the story with me, of course, that uh, Vader definitely, you know, was, uh, you know, going to get killed. Because Vader, I guess, cheap, cheap shot at him, bad mouthed him, disrespected him. And I guess Paul, you know, had the uh, sometimes, I guess, would just quote unquote snap. And he was a tough, even though he was older at that point, he was still tough and mean and nasty. And uh, if he snapped, you were in trouble. Yeah, and and even uh, that he's older now, even even in the shape Paul's in now, uh, I still uh, would think four or five times before even trying to cross him. But you know, again, Vader's a big guy, and there were a lot of big tough guys who felt they could uh, uh, do whatever they wanted, and 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 man, it's that kind of business because you know sometimes you're. Uh, you're out there and, and things slip or, or things get by and maybe it's a potato here, a potato there, and, and it just happens too many times. And, and then people start thinking, oh, maybe you're taking advantage of me. Let's let's get some conspiracy theories going on. Uh, so, yeah, Orndorff would snap, no doubt about it. And I'm sure there's a few other guys. That's why I was, you know, Tracy Smothers would snap, no doubt about that either. I, I've seen him snap, I just don't know, you know, thank God he didn't do do too much damage along the way with me. Another guy, big, huge, tough guy, but maybe a little slow as far as being able to punch and react. Road Warrior Hawk, you always hear about, you know, scraps and fights and him kicking all these guys' asses, but uh, Too Cold Scorpio, you know, have you heard about this uh, on the bus? Supposedly Scorpio punched him a few times before Hawk could even land one shot. That's how I guess fast <laughs> Scorpio is and slow Hawk is. Well, you know, um, here's the other thing that, that I think we need to take into account if we're just going to be candid and and, mm-hmm. and yep. open here. Uh, you know, that was that was the '80s, and it was a it was a different culture. It was a different way of. Uh, Living in business, it was a different way of traveling. It was a different way of uh, uh, unwinding and relaxing. And and Hawk, Hawk was was uh, one of the greatest guys to be around. He was he was entertaining. He was loyal. He was um, uh, he was he was he was he was one of the boys. He was great great to have around, no matter what. But you know. He might have been handicapped at that time of, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe one or two or three, uh, yep. whatever, oh, yeah. or, or yep. ten, you know, and, and all of a sudden it, it doesn't take much to hit a hit a setting target. And then I'm going to get up and throw a, throw a punch. My reaction time certainly isn't going to be um, <laughs> that great. So, you know, I, I can I can understand that, and I can sure see that. But But, you know, you have to take into consideration – um, you know the circumstances. Talk about cheap shots, but at the mm-hmm. same time, that that's that's you know, I'm sure Hawk's condition uh, contributed to whatever mm-hmm. led yep. to Scorpio punching him <laughs> five times before he said, "Wait a minute, I better do something <laughs> about this." You know, right. and then not being able to. So, you know, it's just uh, that that's the way things were back then. And the legendary Hawk Macho Man pull-apart fight that uh, got a lot of, uh, you know, pop out of the boys. Well, yeah, and, and again, because I think both of them were that, uh, could be that um, um, high-strung, you know, kind of guy. 
you know, and Macho and uh, and Hawk were were, were characters. I mean, they, and, and they were both intense, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure they had that professional rivalry too. So, I, I yeah, I, I heard in passing about Hawk and Macho Man having a, having a fight. I don't know any of the details of that either, but. Um, you know, just like hearing Marty and Sean had fights and, and then knowing both of them, um, <laughs> I, I, I could understand that one too, because one or both, they're going to get sick of each other, uh, being as, as close as they were and sharing everything and a room and an apartment and, 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 and all these things, you know, and having to, uh, Having to be having to include somebody else when he, when Sean just wants to be a a singles guy all along, uh, you know. So I think some of that tension is going to build up, and he's going to say things and do things that won't endear himself to not just Marty, but hell, anybody listening. I think. Now Shane Douglas just have a great Janetti uh, Michaels fight story. He said literally Janetti from the other side of the room said, "You know, I'm going to fucking kill you." Comes running over to him. He said Michaels literally froze and tipped over before Gennetti could throw a punch. Uh, I forget what animal he described it as, like an animal, <laughs> almost he, like a he, cow tipping he, over, like he froze and fell over without even being hit. Well, th- that, that's that's the effect, you know, some people have on you. Like, I'd rather go ahead and take my phantom punch, and hopefully, by God, you'll see me down and have some mercy on my soul, you know. So, yeah, I w- that wouldn't shock me in the least. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, some people just are, are who they are and there's not going to change them no matter what you do. Um, although some people will claim different and, uh, so yeah, I, that, that wouldn't shock me in the least. Macho Man and Bill Dundee had a knockdown drag out. I think guns were pulled and uh, well, yes, of, right. Now this what's is like, one I do know about. Yeah, it what's wasn't, the full but, story on this? Well, now once again, you know the Poffos um, had had been running their territory territory in in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, as uh, back then they didn't call them independent; they called them uh, outlaws. And the, uh, the of course they had TV, but it was. And I think it was crossing over into Nashville. That that could have been one of the one of the reasons too. And 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 on on the Poffo's TV, Randy and Lanny and Bob Roop and everybody would get on there and, and challenge you know, Lawler and and everybody from uh, uh, the Memphis territory and talk about them on their TV. So um, and everybody knew who they were, obviously. And and I think. Uh, it was Dundee just got done at the gym, and Savage was coming in. Dundee was leaving, and uh, words were said, and I think uh, uh, Savage uh, hit Dundee, he knocked him in the mouth, broke his jaw or something. Dundee went to his trunk and got a got a gun, was going to shoot him, and uh, I don't remember who was there with Dundee. It might have been, uh, I, I don't think it was Jeff Jarrett. It, 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 I don't, I don't recall. But uh, they had to go to court and uh, press charges. I think a year later or two years later, they they're working together and uh, used all the real life animosity and all the real life uh, <clears throat> excuse me fights and and uh, altercations to to plug their business now. So you know it it 
a, a lot of times if, if you had the real animosity, you know, you, you could you could get past it if uh, if you could see money being drawn by both sides. But you know, then you have uh, people who don't see it that way, and people who don't want to work with each other, regardless. At least at this time, you know, I've I've had I've had feelings of uh, anger and mistrust and and all this stuff for years, and all of a sudden, you know, I've, I reached an epiphany. Like, um, why why am I allowing this to happen to me, and why am I allowing this to even bother me, and just release it and let go of it? But that takes time and experience too. With you know. Savage being a madman and, and craziness and, and fights breaking out and everything else. Is there another Savage fight that maybe I'm missing? I'm thinking because I know he was intense and I know I was thinking of the D. I mean, I know a Hulkster. I know he's tried to kill the Hulkster before, but yeah. is there any other like crazy Macho Man fight? I I can't. I really can't think of anything that, um, uh, you know, I do remember when uh, hearing the story about, you know, Liz leaving and then. Uh, Randy wanting to kill Hogan because he was hiding her from him, and uh, you know there, there there was a whole drama going on there. And gosh, um, I don't know. I don't know too many too many people who uh, uh, that, well that that I've heard of the one to fight Savage, except maybe Lawler, Dundee, or you know anybody around that uh, that era, because Randy was an intense guy. And, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there might've been other times and other, other instances where it was just, it was just balls to the wall. And if you didn't like it, we'll have to knuckle up. So. For some, like maybe some more current a day, not really current day, but, um, not that long ago fights. Uh, I guess maybe if you consider 97, not that long ago, but Bret Hart, knocking out Vince, uh, you know, in the back, the infamous thing where he, he must have knocked him with an uppercut up in the air where Vince landed and he broke his ankle. So, I mean, it was a pretty nice uh, shot uh, by Brett, I'm sure you're very aware of. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, here again, uh, do you – you have to for, – for me, especially at, at, at this stage in my life, um, I, I don't want any drama or, or any issues, and and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if I'm gonna fight, uh, it's it's gonna be doing whatever I have to do. I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna just uh, do that. But but Vance, you know, is is in that position of uh, calling the shots, and at that time, there was there was a lot of heightened uh, emotions and. You know, Sean and Diesel and and uh, Razor and Kid and um, they were really making it uh, making it what they wanted to make it. And you know, some people enjoy being assholes, and uh, some people enjoy watching the turmoil happen as they make it happen. And you know those guys would do it, and if if it really if you let them bother you, but but see, you got to understand too. Brett was in that top spot, so it was affecting Brett more more so than not. 
And when, you know, I think the comment was made by Sean, like, I'll never put you over or something like that. And Brett took that as, as disrespect and, and rightfully so. Uh, so, you know, at the root of all this is the guy, the guy that you trust your most, the guy most, the guy that you you know you looked at as a second father, the guy who was had given you everything in your life that you have, and it made you the world champion. And now he's the same guy who betrayed you, and you know your the rage is building up, and and I think Brett knew obviously. You know, Sean knew everything from the beginning, but but you know he he had to look at look at the whole and and the guy who really pulls the trigger and the guy who who makes that final call is Vince. And you know if he hit him with an uppercut, my goodness, um, you know I've heard Brett and I've heard a couple of people say it at, at, at numerous times. It had to be the perfect punch because there were so many people around. Uh, for him to come through with a, he said it was a right cross, I think, but, but a lot of people said it was, a, it was like an uppercut. And it, it just had to be that perfect moment, that synergy, that, 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 that moment in time where everything was, was perfect. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it had to be done, I guess, for Brett's explanation of how he handled that. And, um, what I mean is, you know, what what do you do when somebody you've worked for for so long and you've given everything to, but yet in return you you got you got quite a lot. You 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 know had a had a pretty nice life along the way, and now uh, it's coming down to basically you don't want to lose in Canada because this guy said he wouldn't put you over anywhere either, and and it's personal and uh, it's real. And uh, with with everything that had happened all the way up to that moment is is going through your head. Uh, I, I don't see I don't see how a guy like Brett could have could have just let it happen and not do anything about it. And um, you know he's he's uh, he was respected for it. And eventually, you know, I'm sure Vince respected him for it, and Vince knew that's what he was going to have to do to to at least have that part of the book written, you know, because he was he was writing the book, and once he rang that bell, and uh, you know, did that finish, unbeknownst to Brett, um, he he was writing that chapter, and, and you know, once again. It, it's Vince's company. He's fearless. He doesn't care. And uh, something he had to do to get what he had to get done. And it led to, it led to the fame and fortune and, and a resurgence. And uh, it got even hotter and bigger. So, you know, yes. you, you have yep. to do what you you have to do what you have to do. Sometimes, if you feel that strongly about it, uh, you have to stand up. You have to do something. If you don't. Uh, then, then again, it, it doesn't become a story. It just becomes a uh, a pale moment in time, and 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 I don't think uh, anything Bret Hart's done uh, of major proportions ever ever uh, meant to be a pale moment in time. Bret, everything Brett did was going to be memorable, whether in his mind or his memories or the, or his fans' memories, because uh, uh, he was passionate about what he did. 
Uh, I'll just quickly run through a couple of some other fights just because I want to get into some legendary tough guys themselves. Uh, JBL got his, uh, uh, you know, known as, as a big tough guy and everything else, but I guess he was messing with Joey Styles, and Joey Styles, who's shockingly a little bit of a tough guy, knows karate and everything, put him on his ass. People always say knocked him out, but the real story is he knocked him down. I guess JBL wasn't expecting that to happen because he was ragging him, but uh, that's that's a funny story, Joey Styles and JBL, who's a good buddy of yours, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and I know John, but that, that's what I'm saying is John's one of those guys who will just, rag you and, and push and push and poke the bear, poke the bear. And uh, I, I don't think he, he would cry about getting hit in the face or, or in the mouth or being knocked down. I mean, he, I, I think John is one of those guys who uh, is willing to take it if he's going to give it. And, uh, you know, you have a, you have a, I, people have a perception of JBL, but I've known him for a few years, and I know how it is when if you just push back a little bit, if you gave him some of his own medicine, a lot of times it'll stop it. It'll clear it up right there, and he'll stop because it's no fun. You know, when, when so, he, he's trying to get a reaction out of you. That, that's his point. That's his purpose. That's his enjoyment. And as long as you cut a promo back on him and, and make him laugh or make him look at how stupid he's being, then, then you don't have to punch him out. Maybe he's being a jerk. Maybe he's being a bully. But if you start the, the same trip back on him, then, then, you know, he'll realize how stupid he's being. At least every, every time I've been around him, he has, because I'll just cut a promo back. <laughs> um, Hurricane Helms throwed another one, beat up a Fagwell. Uh, Booker T beat up Batista. Uh, there's the infamous Jericho Goldberg fight, but so many people say that Jericho was beating up Goldberg, but Jericho admitted uh, was kind of broken up and never really turned into anything. And Goldberg wasn't really fighting back, but Jericho had him in a guillotine at one point or something and was saying he was going to do anything, but he was saying that Goldberg wasn't really fighting back and Goldberg was saying he didn't want to get fired. And I don't know, it's a whole other thing, but I just love that Jericho was tough enough to, uh, Stand face to face because you know Jericho. What is Jericho? Five ten maybe, and Goldberg's like yeah. you know six three. So I mean, it, it, and obviously way smaller. So it's good to see a little tough guy being a little scrappy. But but here's the thing: what what is the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is is the guy beats you up. Okay, well then, but but you stood up to him. At least you took your ass kicking. You didn't back off. And, uh, you know, I think that, that was part of Sean's deal. Sean had more guts and brains. Uh, he, he might stand up to people and get slapped down, you know, but at least he stood up to them, and, and he wasn't afraid to get slapped down. And uh, whether it's called tough or stupid or, or, or both, uh, that, that, was, that still is, I think, part of being um, – what you want to be in this business? Do you, do you do you want to be that guy that um, uh, believes in yourself and and believes in what you're you're shooting for and and uh, doing in the business, or are you going to let somebody run over you? And it's um, it's it's happened, I think, since since the beginning of time, and and it's always going to happen, especially in a business like this. Now, as far as some legendary tough guys himself just want to throw out some names and you can tell me if you uh, agree or disagree uh harley race known as being a very tough guy definitely agree definitely agree i've i've seen harley in in uh uh never never in a fight fight but i've seen harley in the ring and i've i've watched harley backstage and the way he commands respect He, he was very quiet about it but uh he had that silent walk where uh you knew 
Um, you knew he was special. Let me say that. Now, Ronnie Garvin told me an awesome story, and I'll mention Garvin just one second, but he told me a story that he saw Harley Race beat two guys up at once and knock them both out, and he was in the middle of both of them, meaning that he, on, on the, on the you know, wind-up to the left-handed punch, the back elbow hit the one guy, and on the way forward, you know, straight left, knocked out the other guy. I just like that's an awesome bar fight story. Like, wow, he's going to you know, beat the, everybody, front and behind him. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you know, speaking of that, real quick, and speaking of southpaws, you know, I saw Matt Bourne knock a guy out in a bar uh, up in Oregon, and uh, he was having words back back down this hallway by the bathrooms, and and the guy was having words, uh, and Matt said, "I'm going to give you three seconds to get out of my face," and Matt went one and blasted him with the left hand, and the guy <laughs> hit the wall, hit back of his head, slid right down the wall, um, so. Yeah, you know, that was another another guy. I have seen Matt uh, do stuff like that. How about, uh, here's a just a surprise one to throw in there for you, Raymond Rougeau. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. Ray had that quiet confidence, too. Ray was a good guy. I, I did commentary with him, and he was a boxer, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, he yeah, he's not surprising at all. Um he he was one of those guys, you know, most tough guys don't have to tell you they're tough. And Ray never talked like it either, but uh he but he had something there with him. Uh he was he was he he was sure of himself without having to let you know about it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was um recently I was talking to him, uh, we did an interview with him and he was saying that, you know, he you know, on any given day Anybody can knock out anybody. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's kind of like a tough guy thing to say because normally a guy would be like, you know, who's you know, brash or cocky, oh, I can knock out anybody. He goes, anybody can knock out anybody. So he was telling the story about Dynamite Kid uh, messing with Jacques and really yeah. getting on Jacques. He said, listen, I'm going to beat the shit of this guy if you're not going to beat him up. So Jacques obviously got the roll of quarters and <laughs> knocked out Dynamite Kid's front teeth. But uh, it just shows you Ray, Ray Rougeau was uh, you know, pretty damn tough uh, himself. Well, yeah, yeah. Then again, there's there's another example of what WWE was back then. WWF was back then. Um, you know, it was it was that kind of a culture and that kind of environment where you you pretty much had to had to be tough to survive. And and a guy like Dynamite Kid would be considered a bully, and uh, and he didn't care. You know, he he really didn't care. But but it didn't work out too good for him. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, Rougeau's a great one. Like I mentioned, Ronnie Garvin, another uh, legit tough guy, right? Yeah, definitely. Ronnie was uh, Ronnie. Ronnie uh, was one of those guys that just was rugged and would, would uh, make you crawl on your knees. I think you know, give you the mat burns and make you make you feel it and and kind of rub it in, the, <laughs> rub your face in the mat, and uh, you know, then then stretch you if you didn't know how to wrestle, especially so. Yeah, that, that was uh, again. I think that during the time that uh, not only you know in the ring tough, but if you want to handle it in the back, he could also uh, uh, throw hands with you in the back. But I don't think too many people want to do that with Ronnie. Yes, and I'll just quickly run through some other guys: Barbarian, the Steiner brothers, Ron Simmons, Steve Blackman, Steve Williams, Luthez, and last but certainly not least. Purposely left him for last, Haku. Well, yeah, Haku uh, again, uh, and like the barbarian, um, 
they they were the, the nice guys who <laughs> you you wanted them to like you, you wanted to be on their side because uh if you didn't and if you weren't, they they were the kind of fellows who'd bite your nose. And uh uh speaking of which, that just reminded me and I know we're we're running long and I don't want to keep too long, but but there was a fella, and I'll tell you the name here at the end of the story, in Louisiana. And um he was the, I guess, quintessential baby face. He was the prototype of baby face. And, you know, in Louisiana, you had those uh, crazy people, too. Uh, so when you went to the bars, I turned heel in Louisiana, and I was started hanging out in the heel bars with DiBiase and Doc, and, and, and nobody really messed with them. But this one baby face uh, got into a fight, at a bar, the guy slapped him, slapped him hard, and he registered the slap and then grabbed the guy's face, didn't punch him, grabbed the guy's face, but bit the tip of his nose off, bit his nose off, Whoa. or didn't bite it off. He, yeah, I was hanging there, actually, it was. Um, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, bit it, and it was vicious. It was like, whoa, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't expect it of him to... <laughs> but he did, and that fellow was uh, Terry Taylor. Whoa! So, wow. Yeah. So you know Terry, I don't think was uh, thought of as a tough guy, but at the same time, he knew in Louisiana if somebody pushed you or, or hit you and you didn't do anything back, he was going to get fired. And I think that that might have put Terry in the mindset of uh, I'm going to make an impression here and. Uh, uh, he did. So, you know, some some people, that's why you never know. You never know who's packing. You never know who's, who can knock you out. You don't know who's tough. You don't know what's what. And, um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not one of those guys who's going to go up and try you, but, but please, please don't try me because I, I don't know what. I don't know what I would do except whatever it took to uh, – be safe or protect myself or anybody who's with me at that time. And you don't know until those circumstances arise, like like a fellow slaps you in the bar in Louisiana, what you're going to do. Now, Buddy Landell, just throw another guy. Apparently he was a little bit scrappy, a little bit tough as well, just to throw his name out there. Well, let me tell you a story about Buddy real quick again. Mm -hmm. You know, in in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Buddy had uh, um, come back, I think, is is one of his first days back. And uh, he starts being Buddy. He starts mouthing off. And he's saying stuff to Brian Lee because Brian keeps flubbing an interview. And uh, (laughs) Buddy just kept needling, poking the bear. And finally, Brian took off after him and was chasing him. across the building and buddy hit the door and went outside brian went after him and uh we all just looked and we kind of went holy shit and and about about two minutes later it was a little while about two minutes later brian came back in and i said did you get him because no no man i stopped him he started crying on me he says hey if you beat me up who are you gonna beat up who are you really beating up brian come on man i'm just playing he said he started crying. Well, if I, I knew Buddy back then, and Buddy was was past his prime, and you know, Buddy's still trying to be Buddy, and uh, Brian wouldn't have any of it. So, you know, but Brian finally said, "Ah, you know what? I can't do that. You're right. Who am I beating up?" 
you know, to, right now, Buddy wasn't in the best of condition and wasn't in the best of shape. So, was that really proved? Just, just uh, let it go, man. Let it go. And See, Brian, but, but you know, Brian, I, I think Buddy, Buddy would get scrappy if he if he had a few drinks or, or you know, think he could think he could take you or something like that. And if he had if he had somebody who had his back, you know, that's where Buddy was at. I think. And Brian Lee is a big boy, not to be messed with. Oof. Brian Lee and the Harris boys are both big boys. I almost had those guys on me, too, because I was being a smart aleck and poking the bear. And Ron <laughs> Harris, yeah, yeah, cause I, but I thought we were buddies. I thought we could do that. And then I, I just said the wrong thing, and 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 I got the, the, the glare of doom on me. And uh, so thank God I didn't have to face him either. Oh, yeah. Now, that's a, a great stopping point uh, for this week. We'll definitely cover maybe some other fights and some other uh, infamous tough guys for sure in the future. Just want to mention one more time. We have a special deal right now. Visit Bluetooth.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code DOC. Pay $5 shipping. Bluetooth.com, promo code DOC to try it for free. Chewable, chewable, chewable gets in your bloodstream a lot quicker than a pill. I like it. Also have to mention this, pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. Of course, that is Dr. Tom Pritchard's book. Where can they get this awesome book? You can get my book on Amazon.com. Just type in uh, Tom Pritchard's book, or uh, you can send me $25 via PayPal. My PayPal is drtompritchard at AOL.com, and I will personally sign you uh, an autographed book and send it uh, for $25 on PayPal. Nice. And of course, ProWrestlingTees.com. You can go to a Dr. Tom Pritchard store, get a Wanted Dead or Alive shirt, which I love, or you can go to the JPWA store and get a shirt as well. Speaking of the JPWA, you can go to their website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Now, what else do you got going on? I know you said you got that virtual signing. Tell us a little bit more about that and then anything else going on with the JPWA. Facebook Live this Thursday uh, with Catherine's Corner. I believe it starts at 8 Eastern, uh, yeah, 8 Eastern time. And uh, JPWA begins its next class, uh, or pardon me, August 31st. And we go through November 20th. 12 weeks. Um, this will be the last class of 2020 for 12 week course anyway. And, uh, you know, that's what we have going on, man. A lot of, a lot of cool things happening next week. And, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to the next class too. Love it. And of course, each and every week you can join us right here on taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritch. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.